Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Adam Stewart and Trey Colbeck. Welcome one and all to our week four CFL preview show here. Wow, can't believe we're here for week four already. The start of the season is just flying by, uh, and we are officially in the thick of the 2022 CFL season. Uh, before I bring in the rest of the panel, we're going to chat, uh, well, we're going to chat CFL storylines from each game tonight. We're going to talk CFL fantasy options. We'll make our picks. We'll make our bets here tonight as well. We are live on YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, any platform you're looking for us, all made possible by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Check, learn more at Game Time TV and be on Facebook. Uh, I do want to mention also we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network and as always want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 Territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Ojibwe, Dakota, and Dene peoples and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 Territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now let's introduce the rest of the panel here tonight. First, straight in the middle, it's uh, the great Adam Stewart is here. Adam, how are you doing tonight? I don't know. I'm not doing too bad so far. Uh, not sure why I'm in the middle of two W's, but uh, I guess it uh, it works out a little bit. Uh, yeah, no, uh, in Saskatchewan here, uh, kind of some severe weather going on right now. So uh, hopefully everybody out there that's following in Saskatchewan, make sure you're listening to your reports. Uh, been a few tornado touchdowns already tonight. Uh, make sure you're keeping an eye out there, eh? Yes, for sure. Hopefully everybody stays safe with the weather weather issues there, and uh, hopefully it doesn't hit too badly. Uh, also here with us tonight, the great Trey Colbeck. Trey, how you doing? I'm doing great, but for those at home, remember... Adam wore his hat first. Now he took it off. So, you know, making us look bad. I think it was the ploy to, you know, get the Bomber fans a little bit of grief here. But I'm doing great. There it is. Yeah, he had it first. He's got the hat. <laughs> Ryan and I had to retaliate. Uh, I'm doing great. Doing real good. I'm really excited. This, you know, it's going to be an interesting week, I think. You know, we got a couple of teams that have no wins going head-to-head. -head. We have a couple of teams who are undefeated. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be great. And the 7-Eleven Cups, that's that's a big one. 7-Eleven Cups, we got to find them. Yeah, we could spend the whole night debating this because it's the only topic anybody cares about in the CFL right now. Uh, if there's time at the end, uh, maybe we'll get a little more into that. But uh, yeah, send in your comments, send in your questions, live chat. If you're uh, watching live, hanging out live with us here tonight, we've got a couple of people in the Facebook chat. It's great to see. Hello, everybody. Uh, let's dive right in. Let's start off with the storylines for our four games here tonight. Uh, Adam, take it away. What's our first game here? Well, our first game is going to be on Thursday night when the BC Lions, who are undefeated right now, will take on the Ottawa Red Blacks, who haven't had a victory yet this season. Of course, the big thing going in is the BC Lions are absolutely one of the hottest teams to talk about right now in the CFL. They've got a hot quarterback. They've got a hot uh, receiving core. They actually, uh, if you look at the stats out there, uh, on defense, they're extremely hot as well. The most leading leading in six interceptions so far, only 233 yards a game. And uh, just overall having a great year so far, guys. Uh, I guess the first question would be, uh, are the BC Lions going to be able to keep this up? we just seen what happened to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders crossing the country. Uh, going out east into Montreal and not having a very good game. 
How much does this affect going into this week, guys, uh, going into TD Play Stadium in Ottawa? Uh, Trey, you can go first. You know what? I think this is going to be an interesting game, and we'll talk about it later when we get to money lines. You know, it's only a two-point game according to the book, right? So, you know, it could be another trap game like you said we saw last week. But and I don't know what BC's injuries are going to look like. I haven't really saw any of that updates. But, you know, we saw how many guys left the game late or last weekend. I don't know. This could be Ottawa's game, and you know, it, I wouldn't be surprised either way. I think I think I was more shocked last week at Montreal, Saskatchewan than I would be this week. I'm still not 100% sold. Oh, what's their comment? Uh, they think the Lions will play very well. I hope so. I really want to see Roar, you know, have three straight weeks and keep it going. Uh, Ryan, what about you? I'm a little nervous, uh, but then again, I was also last week thinking they couldn't possibly replicate what they did in their first game of the season, and they did it one better. So the short turnaround makes me pretty nervous here for BC, like full credit to them. Uh, if you listen to our recap show, I ranted and raved as much as I could about Nathan Rourke and really the performance of the rest of the team, and I'm very high on them. They've been at the top of my power rankings the last three weeks. But we're talking they played, what, Saturday night, I think it was, and then now they're playing a Thursday night game against a team that's coming off of a bye week and has had a lot of extra time to prepare. I, I think, And I think BC, you know, generally, if you look over the past decade or so, is a great home team, not so good on the road, especially when they have to go all the way out east for a game. So, uh, you know, looking on paper and looking at the stats of what I've seen from BC, yeah, full belief in them and what they can do. And I think they're, this is going to be a pretty good game. But I wouldn't necessarily, you know, count Ottawa out in this one. It, the, the team here in Ottawa, you know, two losses on the season, sure. But to the defending champs, two close games in a home-and-home home series there. Uh, I, I think this is going to be a tough test. I think this is going to be the first test we see for BC really this season as they go out on the road here. Yeah, I think that this is going to be a pretty good test for the BC Lions just because Ottawa is coming out. And let's face it, Jeremiah Mazzoli looked pretty good for those couple games. Plus also they're getting back at now healthy William Powell, which is going to be a big thing as well for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Unfortunately, though, for the BC Lions, I'm all in now on the BC Lions. Uh, so that probably means an instant loss for you. But you know what? Nathan Rourke has missed been lights out so far. Uh, same thing also with Lucky Whitehood, who's cleared to play this week. Uh, Brian Burnham's been good, but unfortunately, he's got an injury this week, will not play. Uh, ribs, he may be out for a little while. And also, his place is going to be taken up by Keon Hatcher, who I'm very happy that I signed last week when nobody was looking. Anyway, the other one also for the B, like I just mentioned over for the Ottawa Red Blacks, William Powell is back here uh, for the Ottawa Red Blacks. That's huge news for the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks who were just not having very much running going along for their games uh, to begin the season. Uh, if I take a look here real quick, and I just hit the wrong button, so I can't take a look real easy, uh, just not a whole lot of rushing from the Ottawa Red Blacks. What does this add to the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, repertoire, and can they get more than uh, 19 points or 20 points or 18 points in a game, uh, which they were getting less of against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Uh, Ryan, what do you think William Powell adds? Well, you just mentioned it, you know, 19 points or so in their first two games of the season here for Ottawa. Jeremiah Mazzoli in that passing game have looked fantastic. He's thrown, what, seven over 700 yards, I think it was, in those two games against the Bombers. But only one offensive touchdown, I think, to show for it yet. They didn't really have a whole lot going in the run game. 
Devontae Williams did get, I think, the second game. I think he had around 85 yards. Not not a bad day for him in that game necessarily. But, uh, you know, Paul Apolis, you know he's a guy that likes to really involve his running backs. You know he likes to do the dump passes off to his running backs with his game plan there. And I think William Powell is a great guy that you can dump the ball off to, and he, he's got the you know the power to, to run through and make a play happen when he gets the ball in his hands. So I think that'll open things up even more for them. I think that maybe takes a little bit of pressure off Mazzoli, and uh, I'm really excited to see it. I think, I think Powell was a great fit here uh, to come over to Ottawa. It's where he's had success in the past. Uh, so I'm very excited to see him back in the lineup and see what a full-throttle Ottawa offense is going to be capable of here. Got a tough test against that BC defense, though. Trey? Well, you guys are going to know what I'm going to say. Three keys, and there's the running back coming back into play. And I, that might be the missing ingredient Ottawa didn't have against the Blue Bombers, right? You get down to the red zone, you need your running back to punch it in. And, you know, um, and then Mazzoli's kind of forced to throw it. And then that secondary gets a lot uh, lot tighter when the end zone or the field gets shorter, right? So, I think it might be the missing link here. If it was any other team against other than BC, I'd actually maybe lean towards Ottawa a little more. But I'm, you know, that hot hand of BC, it's going to be a good one on Thursday night. Yeah, I believe it will be too. And I think William Powell adds a big, big piece to the Ottawa uh, offense. Again, he was a top rusher in Saskatchewan, which they didn't really use him very much over there. Uh, they used him a bit for blocking, which will obviously help Jeremiah Mazzoli get some more balls off. Uh, but currently right now in Ottawa, I mean, their rushing stats are very poor. I mean, 4.2 yards a carry. Uh, not really that they're not attempting it. It's 18 and a half yards uh, per, of attempts for a game. So they are attempting to run the ball. But let's face it, it's a little different when you have a uh, rookie in there and you have William Powell in there who's run the ball for many many of years in the Canadian Football League uh guys the only other thing that's been kind of breaking news with Ottawa is that I've been hearing Paul Lapolis is possibly on the hot seat already is that true or is that just kind of uh somebody not being able to make up a report and uh need something to talk about Trey you know I could see it because you know his his head coaching record obviously hasn't been the greatest and but at the same time what is this his second year or third year now third year third year okay so ah, oh second year yeah I, I i usually give coaches three years especially if you're coming into something that's kind of my area but again we see coaches get fired for anything and everything in sports today so personally i'd give lapple this year and one more if next year you know they start 0 2 0 3 then maybe yeah that fire starts burning under him but I don't know. Where else would he go unless he goes back to TSN too, right? So, I mean, for him personally, like I am a lap. I like Lapo. He's a nice guy. I've met him. So I kind of personally don't want him to get fired. But at the same day, time, time, it's business. So, you know, I think, I don't think he's number one hot seat by any means in the league. So I think he'll be fine. Ryan? I think if he gets canned for a bad year this year, that's absurd. Uh, I think the, you know, what first year, no fault of his own. The, the talent just wasn't there on the roster. The depth wasn't there on the roster. You can't fault the coach for coming in and not having that made available to him. This year, they overhauled the entire team, basically, in the offseason. You bring a new team in, uh, it's going to take them some time to gel. That's normal. I mean, sure, Ottawa did it in the past and went to the Grey Cup that year back in 2015, I think it was. But normal circumstances, it's going to take some time for the team to gel. I think you got to give them at least another year, even if they struggled here early on. But 
that being said, we've seen it before, you know, wasn't it Devon Claybrooks went over to be the head coach in BC a couple of years ago. And I, I believe the, he got canned after one season. Uh, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong on that one, but I think that was kind of a similar situation where they brought a lot of pieces in and he had a very short leash there. So, but I still can't see it with Paul Apolis. I, I, th- I think he gets, another year, even if they struggle. And I don't think they're going to struggle in, uh, enough this year for him to actually truly be on the hot seat. The only reason I'm thinking this maybe a little bit is because they cleaned a lot of stuff up in Ottawa. You're right, Ryan. However, the other thing they cleaned up was the general manager, Marcel Desjardins, hired uh, Paul Lapolis, not Sean Burke. It isn't Sean Burke's guy in there right now. Not saying that he's going to he, – he maybe really does think that – uh, that Paul Lapolis has the right vision and he's going to keep him anyways. But technically, like we see in Montreal right now, it isn't the guy that's uh, that it was hired by that general manager. So there could be something there, but I think that it's got to take another couple games, maybe at least halfway through the season until, until there's something serious here. Uh, guys, is there anything else that I'm missing for uh, the week four matchup here? I was just going to say, this could be a whole other topic, but it comes into the thing where is Lapo a head coach? You know, that, you know, we could talk about this all offseason if he doesn't have a, doesn't get fired. So that's just kind of my point I want to put out there to anyone who wants to comment or add it later. Do you think Lapo is a head coach? You know, we saw what he is as an OC, but, you know, that doesn't always translate. So that, that's an interesting question I want to pose to our uh, listeners out there and you guys over time. Yeah, no, that's a great question. And I think that's one I often think of as well. As great as an offense coordinator, track record as a head coach, it's not really there in the mo- for the most part so far. The only other thing I want to say on this game is I kind of came out saying, you know, yeah, I'm a little worried about BC because it's the short week. I, I just want to clarify that, you know, I think BC will take a step back this week, but that may very well still mean they win the game because they were so far ahead with how they played the last couple games and it's going to regress a little bit, but I think that's still a team that can definitely come out and win this game. And I will have to wait for our picks later on to, to find out which way I'm officially going on this one. The other thing I'll just quickly bring up here is the defensive coordinator for the BC Lions. Let's face it. Everybody's been talking offense for the last two weeks in, in BC. Uh, they have had two years of solid, solid defense as a BC Lions organization, Devon Claybrooks has done an amazing job with that team. Uh, this year is no exception. Last year, his team was just getting tired out from playing all the time. Uh, they were still making plays and doing things in the backfield that were just pretty crazy uh, to watch and pretty ama- pretty fun to watch as well. So uh, BC, I'm really, uh, really, really impressed with their defense. And let's face it, when you have guys like Luchez, Purifoy, and a few others in that uh, backfield, man... He is, uh, they are something else and lots of credit to Coach Claybrooks. I just want to, um, I just want to clarify here. It's a uh, Ryan Phillips, the defensive coordinator. Oh my gosh, sorry. Uh, Devon Claybrooks is, uh, the guy we were just talking about that got canned as the head coach, uh, Jim in the chat, in the Facebook chat, uh, clarifying here on Ryan Phillips, but, uh, the point still stands, right? Ryan Phillips, excellent job as defensive yep. coordinator. Just get my uh, just get my old players mixed up there. Yeah, no, Ryan Phillips has done a great job for them. So, anyways, uh, moving on here, I guess then to the game number two in the week on Friday night football. Uh, it will be the Edmonton Elks heading down over to Hamilton to take on the Tiger Cats in Tim Hortons Field. First thing I wanted to bring up was a little bit of Elks marketing. 
Uh, let's face it, they uh, introduced a cool little photo uh, today. And they're going to do the, one of these little caricature uh, sort of photos. Uh, just a little bit, uh, what do you call it, once in a while, just to try to stir things up a little bit. This week features a offensive lineman giving a pat to a little kitten as they're right beside Tim Horton's field. Guys, is this stuff that you put in the locker room and get guys fired up on and uh, could give your opponent some uh, thing? Or is it just really just to get the fans all, all the excitement on it? Uh, Trey, go ahead. I think it's both. If that picture's not up in the Elks, or I mean the Tiger Cats locker room, yeah, it's a missed opportunity, right? But at the same time, it's great. You know, we've seen... We've been talking about three or four new owners in this league and how they're what they're doing and stuff. And I totally wish I would. Could you imagine uh, Wade Miller doing something like that? I don't even know if he has Twitter. You know what I mean? Like, I think all the executives should get in on this and it just make it great. You know, I don't care. Like, even the ML, MLSE guy, like, just get in on it. Go nuts. Have fun. What are you going to hurt? Like, nothing, right? So I love it for the league. I think, oh, it's going to be a big dartboard on uh, – the tie cats board though for sure and every hit might be a little extra here and there or little something's going to be said in the camera but that's what you want right you want that so ryan what do you think well my favorite is the uh, the response tweet from uh alouette's owner gary stern who said uh victor haven't you been told not to give opposing teams stuff that might motivate them love it of course gary stern the guy who came out and uh said his team was going to kill the argos in their week two matchup that they lost by a field goal uh, and then Victor Gui from the Elks saying, wait till we play you. I love seeing this back and forth. I mean, we've talked about this a lot throughout the offseason shows and everything as well, right? Is just seeing these owners involved. I, I can't think of a case in any years in the past where I've seen this much from owners or, you know, higher ups of a football team in the CFL or, you know, in a, just seeing the interaction in general from them. Uh, like you, you hear, you, you know, you, you talk about Wade Miller, you mentioned Wade Miller, you see him around the bomber stadium from time to time. You hear him on the pregame shows. Yeah. But uh, you don't see, you don't see the guys like this out in the media quite, and uh, interacting with fans quite like we've seen this year. And I love every minute of it. Yeah. And the Reynolds would do something like that, you know, during a uh, certain game. Uh, I think uh, we good there, guys. I'm just looking, things are bouncing around. There we go. Okay, perfect. Uh, so yeah, no, I uh, like I said, hopefully Craig Reynolds uh, gets the same idea. Not holding my breath though. Anyway, uh, going on here, the Hamilton Tiger Cats get a big piece back. Also on their uh, offense, looks like Don Jackson is good to go for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, traditionally, though, this is not really a running team, but hey, having Don Jackson back, it can't hurt anything. Uh, maybe if nothing else, another person in the backfield that you got to watch out for a little bit. Um, what do the Tiger Cats have to do? I mean, they've got a big, big odds right now against them, uh, or uh, for them, I should say, uh, for a plus six and a half or a minus six and a half. Uh, is it that the Elks are not getting much respect in this game, or are the Tiger Cats really a better team than 0 2? Ryan, what do you think? I think they are a better team than 0-2. I think their 0-2 is largely due to injuries thus far. Or 0-3, right? At this point, I believe they're 0-3. They had that one that was almost made them 1-2, that game against Calgary that they just blew it in the second half there. But last week against Winnipeg, I take zero stock in that loss for Hamilton. They were missing four of their offensive linemen. You're not going to be successful 
in that case. They're getting some of them back this week. Uh, offensive lineman Cooter with Wood Manzi is coming back from a knee injury. Brandon Revenberg, their top offensive lineman, was out due to illness last week. Seems like he's set to return. I believe they just made a trade with the Elks this week as well to bring an offensive lineman, Colin Kelly, I think it was. Uh, I don't know if he will be ready to go in the lineup quite yet. But getting all these pieces back is going to do wonders for the Ticats offense. And getting Don Jackson back, I think, is huge as well because that's, yeah, you said it. They've been missing one big thing on offense thus far, and it's been a run game. Sean Thomas Erlington had, what, five carries, I think it was, uh, last week against Winnipeg for 30 yards. Uh, and ironically was, I think, named their offensive player of the game or something like that uh, with that stat line. Um, they they need to be better and more consistent. And I think having those guys back from injury is going to do a ton for the Ticats here. Uh, Trey, what do you think? Yeah, if you remember back on Monday, I think my metaphor was he looked like a scared horse in the gate, Dane Evans, right? And what's going what's gonna to help him with that? An offensive line in a running game, you know? And like I said, he made a lot of good throws, I think, against the Bombers for sure. He made some, like, I think risky ones, but they were, like they worked out for the most part. The two interceptions last week, I really don't blame him for when you have Adam Big Hill knocking the ball right out of your receiver's hands. He can't really do anything about that. So, yeah, I think, and I hate to say it in week four, but this turns into almost a must win for Hamilton because you go 0-4 and, and you lose to the Elks. Yeah, there's a lot of season left, but then that starts when, you know, that might start where negativity gets in that locker room and stuff. And you don't want to lose that early. You're going to lose to the Elks of all teams, who, you know, have been just getting hit hard by every team they faced. Yeah, they were getting better, but they're still 0-3 as well and number nine on most people's power rankings, right? So, yeah, I, I hate to say it week four, but must win starts creeping into your he- mind, I think, if you're Hamilton. But if you look at the rest of the division here, sorry to butt in, Adam. Uh, if you look at the rest of the division, they lose this week. They're potentially still one win away from first place in the East Division. So, uh, you know, maybe in a tighter division, I'm there with you on that one. But, uh, you know, everybody's kind of in the same boat, so to say, out East right now. Right. I'm going, from more, sorry, I'm going from a more morale, I think. Because, again, you're going 0-4 and you lose to the Elks, like, you got to think you might start losing confidence in your quarter. Like some teammates might start losing confidence in Evans or in coaching or something, right? I'm not saying he's on the hot seat. I'm not saying any of them are getting pulled, but that's the kind of stuff you need in a team, right? If you get Hamilton, we've been talking about, they're supposed to be what the second, their first team in the East still, you know, they're still going to be a competitive team, but you lose to Edmonton. Yeah, I can't like, I think it's, it's a tough turnaround, but Adam, you know what? I'm just looking at it, though. If anybody's a must-win this week, it's probably the Edmonton Elks. I mean, right now, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are 3-0. and The Stampeders are 3-0. and The Rough Riders are 2-1. and uh, BC Lions are 2-0. and I mean, let's face it. If you're going to have any chance of keeping up in the West, even have a crossover, you got to start winning games if you're the Edmonton Elks. You're four points already behind. Uh, and you're playing an Eastern opponent. I mean traditionally you have good luck and all western teams have good luck against eastern opponents so if the edmonton elks lose this game (laughs) you know what as much as we always say the season starts in september after labor day you gotta win some of these a lot earlier than that or else you're gonna be in trouble right away uh also chatty if you got anything you want to add in any of these things here make sure you put your comments down i'm taking a look as we uh go through here so, uh, Brian, yeah, Edmonton could have won the last two games when they were in Saskatchewan. And in Calgary, they very well could have won that one. Uh, 
Calgary seems like one of those teams that just loves to have, be the comeback kids so far this year. Uh, Saskatchewan, yeah, they could have beat Saskatchewan. In all honesty, they could have. Uh, and then you, Brian goes on to mention that Dane Evans is struggling early. Guys, what does Dane Evans need to do to turn this thing around uh, to get the uh, Tiger Cats back in the win column? Uh-huh. I think he just needs to have a solid, consistent game. Like that week two when he came out through for, what, 400 yards against the Stampeders? I don't think he needs to do that, but I think he needs to string together a couple of games you know, maybe 250 to 300 yards, keep the interceptions that are down, start putting touchdowns on the board. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about the success of Zach Caleros in Winnipeg. It's never a barn burner of a, a game Caleros throws, maybe one in the odd season here and there. But, you know, maybe Dane Evans needs a game manager style game, as ugly as it is in a lot of people's eyes. It's not flashy, but uh, get a game or two in a row here and, uh, you know, get things back on track. No, I agree. He's got to put the blinders on and just, you know, look downfield and not worry about, I'm going to keep the horse racing metaphors going, but you know, yeah, you got to take advantage of that O-line. You're getting a little healthy. You're getting some more depth and take advantage of your running game. Like I know those decisions always come down to the quarterback, but at the same time, call an audible. If you feel the, you know, feel the pressure coming, do a dump pass. You got to figure it out. He just looks, yeah, I really like what Brian's saying. He just seems to be struggling. He doesn't seem to be the same. And just, I, you must think that Hamilton had some reason to take him over Mazzoli, right? And he's just not quite showing it three games yet, but I'm sure he will in the next 15, right? So I don't know. I think it's a pretty must win for Hamilton. Like, yeah, you're right about Edmonton too, but yeah, I can't. If they go 0-4 and, and you're behind Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa early, you know. Yeah, no, true enough. I mean, um, Dave Evans, I think, is slowly starting to turn this around a little bit. I mean, let's face it. No offensive line help last week because of all injuries uh, against Saskatchewan. I mean, you faced a defense that just was on a wrecking crew. And even in Calgary, I mean, in the Stampeders just played a good game to come back. I mean, it happens to all the best teams. And you know what? I think the Ticats will turn this around. Uh, probably going to be this week, I would think, if you're a Hamilton Tiger Cats fan. So uh, we'll go on from there. Anything else, guys, that you want to bring up about uh, the Thai Cats and the Elks? Yeah, I want to just I want to talk a little more about the Edmonton side here because we kind of talked a little. We, you know, we talked about the social media graphic, but I don't know if we touched a ton on the on field here for Edmonton. You know, they awful week one for them. They improved a little bit their last two games. What does Edmonton need to do? in this game to take it to the next step and pick up the win in your guys' eyes. Uh, Let's go to you first, Adam. I think that Edmonton just needs to get some more pressure on the quarterback. I mean, they're probably a league worst, I think, right now for sacks. Uh, And with Chris Jones there, I mean, they're having trouble getting any consistency because they're just rotating through players. Even this week, Dion Lacey injured again this week. Uh, That was their top tackler with 11 tackles last week. He's not going to be there again as a linebacker. So you've got another guy in. So to me, I'm uh, thinking that more consistency with the defense, I think would help Edmonton a lot. And especially, like I said last week and the week before and the week before that, is the run game. You've got to stop the run game. Uh, Hamilton's not knowing to run. But hey, if I was the Hamilton Tiger Cats this week, Don Jackson would be getting a very steady dose of a football just because Edmonton has been proven so far to not stop the run. Trey? What does Edmonton have to do? No, you took every word out of my mouth there. You know, great minds think alike to you. Again, I think Dane Evans has that scared deer in the headlights look. So if you want to stop him, you got to, you know, 
you the semi on the highway and hit him, right? Like you got to get to him. And, and again, you know how you stop from Hamilton's side, how do you stop that? Run the ball, keep running the ball. Both these teams don't run the ball. So I bet they won't be crazy, but maybe, maybe we'll be surprised. There we go. Establish there was Trey's three keys, run the ball. There we go. We're going to talk about that's number two. And it will always be my number two. Number one will always be make field goals because you can't win if you don't make those. So, yeah, that's what you got to do. Get to Dane Evans. Sorry, I got off track there. Go to get after Dane Evans. Stop whatever run game they have. And Edmonton needs to, I think, special teams. If you got an offense that's not quite clicking, special teams. You got to get the field goals. You got to get the field position. You got to get the rouges. You got to find ways to win. So, kind of like Winnipeg. You got If your offense isn't doing it, your defense and special teams need to step up. You know, actually, another good point is from Gene there that uh, said that Edmonton needs to establish a run. James Wilder came in, and they were expecting, I think, big things out of James Wilder. Uh, so far, I've heard a lot of talk out of James Wilder, and a lot of it, but I haven't seen a lot of runs out of James Wilder. Uh, he's improving every week. He's gotten better. I think he had a better year average uh, against Calgary uh, and against Saskatchewan. With BC, he was on invisible. But um, you know what? He is improving slowly. And I think he'll get some of this run established eventually for the Elks, but it's going to take a little bit of time. And I mean, the offensive line, again, it's pretty well new again for the Edmonton Elks this year. It's going to take a little bit of time for all that to gel uh, going forward. Anything else, guys, we have going on? Uh, just some stats back up what you were talking about. Uh, so it's uh, tied with Toronto for second last in the league in sacks, four sacks by the Elks defense. Uh, Ottawa only has two, but Ottawa and Toronto have only played two games. So I would say Edmonton's pretty close to the bottom there. The Elks, the only team in the league without an interception. And this was something we saw last season as well. Through the first, like, eight games, I think they had two interceptions. And they were, I think even the first six games last year, they had none. Which is insane if you talk about defensive play. So, yeah, you know, for all the talk of a Chris Jones defense, I think we need to see a little more defense out of them. Uh, let's move on to the next one here, Adam. Absolutely. Next game is going to be on Saturday afternoon at 5 o'clock. When the Montreal Alouettes uh, face off once again against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for uh, round two of the uh, uh, series here uh, for the uh, the two teams. Uh, last week, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I think the big story I've been hearing all out of Ryderville the whole week has been, oh my gosh, the sky is falling, Scott Evans is gone, Dan Clark is gone, uh, uh, Kyron Moore is not back for quite a while yet. And uh, by the way, Micah Tights is, well, we're not even sure what's going on there. He's also on the six-game list. Lots of injuries for the Rough Riders. There's talk about a offensive lineman coming into Saskatchewan uh, in the name of Brett Jones. If he does show up, that's a huge ad for the Rough Riders. But this week is this week, and I don't think we're going to see that change happen. You're going to see pretty well the same offensive line, I think, that you've seen against the Montreal Alouettes with a few maybe minor changes. Uh, guys... If you're uh, looking at it right now, what do you do to uh, replace Shaq Evans? Do you put all the pressure over on Duke Williams? Do you try to make a trade? What do you do to help this Rough Riders team get some of that mojo back with their uh, with their receiving core and their offense? Uh, Trick? You know, trade's interesting. I always find CFL trades really interesting because, like, who are you going to get? Like, maybe there's a fourth or fifth string guy and other teams willing to give up, but are you really going to take a top guy from a team this early on? Probably not. So you're going to have to look internally, right? So not too sure how the deep depth is in, on Saskatchewan's receiving core, but next man up, got to keep going. 
and I'm going to keep pounding it, run the ball. You don't want to take pressure off your quarterback and receivers. You got a decent running back and, and Morrow, just keep running it, keep doing your thing. And again, I don't want to talk about, I hate talking about must win games. I'm going to talk about a second one. We talked about how tight the West is and everything. If Saskatchewan loses another one to Montreal, then they're in the crossover fourth spot. And that's not where Saskatchewan needs to be early on, especially when the season gets more heavy against West teams, you know? So Again, another big game. I think Saskatchewan needs to come out big, and Fajardo needs to do what he sh- needs to do and get going. So, oh, is there another injury popping up in our group chat? Maybe that's an interesting yeah. talk too. Yeah, I, I heard about this one a little earlier, and I was hoping maybe that there was going to be some more news on it earlier. Uh, yeah, Taron Vaughn did get hurt in practice today, uh, so the Rough Riders are down another offensive lineman. I would presume that this means probably Josiah St. John will be coming in for uh, for Taron Vaughn. But uh, yeah, no, the Rough Riders are in deep trouble on that offensive line uh, before this game even starts. Ryan, what do you think the Rough Riders need to do in this offense? Well, I don't know if I'd go the trade route, but necessarily, I mean, I'd like to see it. I want to see more trades in the CFL. Hey, trades have worked out pretty well for the Bombers the last couple of years down the stretch. Uh, Zach Caleros, uh, Sergio Castillo, technically a trade. Um there's a couple of good free agents still out there that I'm surprised aren't on CFL teams right now. Remember Ricky Collins Jr., 642 yards last year, 1,000-yard receiver in the past. He's still out there. Josh Huff of the uh, Stampeders slash Argos, uh, he's still out there. Uh, Armonte Edwards, former 1,000-yard receiver. B.J. Cunningham got cut, cut earlier this year by Ottawa. So they're looking for veteran presence there in the receiving court. It's available if they can uh, make it work for the right price. And if those guys are interested in going over to the riders there, but I think they've also got a lot of talent on the roster as well. Like we, we see guys step up. I think Keon Schaefer Baker set for an even bigger workload role than he is now. Mitchell Pickton kind of, you know, has been testing the waters of the roster a little bit in the regularly used receiver. I, I think he could get some extra work in there as well and then he goes through the other options you know Jacob Prawl, Justin McInnes etc etc for the riders there at receiver I think they'll be fine obviously losing Shaq Evans is a big loss but they went through most of their season last year without Shaq Evans and without Duke Williams and now they have Duke Williams so uh, I'm not too concerned at wide receiver the offensive line is the big worry for me uh, especially after how much we saw them struggle last week I think Montreal put up eight sacks on them uh, and they were desperately missing Dan Clark there at center. Now you've got the other injuries we've talked about too. Yeah, a little worried about that offensive line for Saskatchewan. I thought they'd step up last week, and they didn't do so. So I'm definitely, that's to me the biggest key is to see a bounce back game from them. Give Cody Fajardo more time to make plays out there. No, I agree 100% with you, Ryan. I think it's mostly the offensive line that you have to worry about. The other thing that they can do if they really need to is probably put uh, first round draft pick Sam Elias over on the uh, receiving core, bring you out a third Canadian, have a kind of a rendition of the old days when we used to have the Canadian Air Force in Saskatchewan. Ah, I like those, but I don't think it's quite there yet. But nevertheless, then you can also just add another American offensive lineman into the spot. And there are a couple of those available. Another option would be like you were talking about a little bit about free agency, which would be kind of cool. Uh, Paul McRoberts Jr. hasn't signed anywhere yet. And uh, I was kind of high on him earlier in the year. I know Ryan's laughing about it because I uh, was thinking that he was going to be a starter in Saskatchewan this year. And uh, yeah, 
he, he uh, ended up getting cut in the first round. I'll uh, start the change.org petition on your behalf right now. Absolutely. <laughs> can we so, get it to 500 signatures? Yeah, then I could take it up to Kerry uh, Reynolds and say, or up to Jeremy O'Day and say, hey, we got to sign him back. It's, it's the rules. So, uh, Looking over on the Montreal side of the ball, a uh, couple little changes here. Their center, of course, uh, last week got injured. He's on the six-game injured list. Uh, and they bring in another center, which they actually had just conveniently laying around. Anyways, another guy that used to play center. So no harm, no foul for the uh, Montreal Alouettes on that one. Sort of. Still a different uh, center. And we've seen what happened in Saskatchewan last week with that happening. Uh, the one stat that's kind of interesting here that I wanted to talk about was uh, Eugene Lewis has had a very, very good season for the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, seems to be a favorite target of both uh, Vernon Adams Jr. and Trevor Harris, where there's a little bit of controversy, I think. Uh, if there isn't, well, somebody tell me who's starting this week then. Uh, what do you guys think of Eugene Lewis? Is he going to keep this up, or is uh, does Montreal have other pieces that they can really rely on right now other than Eugene Lewis? Uh, Ryan, what do you think? Well, you're talking about the quarterbacks, first of all. I believe Trevor Harris is taking first-team reps with Vernon Adams Jr. back at practice this week. So that's something we can touch on here throughout the show as well is, uh, well, you know, quarterback change full-on already, I guess, for Montreal. Is it the right call? But uh, to touch on your question on Eugene Lewis, yeah, he's he's the number one guy in Montreal, arguably 1A, 1B with Jake Winicky, but based on how they've been playing so far this year, He's the number one guy in Montreal and he has been for the past couple of years and he just has the ability. He's one of those receivers. He can put the ball anywhere and he'll find a way to catch it. And that's always going to be the case, no matter who's throwing the ball to him. Uh, in terms of supporting cast. Yeah. I've been a little worried about that. I mentioned that before last week's game. It's a big reason I expect them to get blown out last week. They proved me wrong. And a lot of guys stepped up. Kayon Julian Grant, normally the afterthought fifth receiver in the offense. 70-yard touchdown, I believe, for him on that one. Tyson Philpott got in for a long touchdown. And Reggie White Jr. stepped up big this year as well. So lots of injuries, lots of movement on the Alouette's offense. And they, they don't seem like the deepest team at the those positions. But i got to give them credit. They're performing well, uh, despite their limitations. Trey? Oh, yeah, I agree. And another supporting factor, David Cote went five for five, right? You know, that's 15 big points right there, too. And, um, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I agree completely with Ryan has to say and not much more to add. But my thing is, how do we look at Montreal if they do win this game? And, you know, do we start thinking of them a little higher up? Yeah, I know Saskatchewan's got some injuries, but sweeping the riders two straight weekends, that's, you know, pretty big for Edmund, or for Montreal. That puts them in first tentatively. So, you know, Again, we're having big games early, and I love it. This league, this season's been good, eh, guys? And I think regardless of whoever quarterback is, you just got to make the plays. If it's Adams, he's got to, you know, do his thing and use his feet a little bit but make good throws. And if it's Harris, who seems to be the starter uh, based off of practice, you know, he's got to keep nickeling and diming it and hopefully get the job done. And that, too, if he goes 2-0 and against the Riders, are you really going to pull him for Adams in two weeks' time? You know, probably not. This might be Harris's team if he comes up with a win. You know, another piece also that's been real big for the Montreal wet so far has been Chandler Worthy. Been giving him great field position the whole time in special teams. Uh, had a touchdown return last week. Uh, just looked pretty good overall so far. And um, if Montreal keeps getting good uh, return yardage and everything else, 
Uh, let's face it, we all know who the special teams coordinator is in Saskatchewan. It's also their head coach. So uh, that doesn't look so overly pretty on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, guys, is there anything else we're missing in this game here this week? Or uh, we wondering what the uh, attendance is going to be like in Saskatchewan for a July 2nd game? Should be a sellout. But uh, I know there's quite a few tickets left over in Saskatchewan. Uh, anything else that we need to go through yet, guys? I just want to see how these teams were uh, performing the rematch here, right? Because a lot of the reason people are giving for the blowout last week was the short week for Saskatchewan coming over to, to play on the road in Montreal is, uh, you know, I mean, maybe a, a reason and excuse a lot of people are giving for the lackluster performance there. Now you go the other way around. It's really hard to win a home and home series uh, and sweep both games there. So, if Montreal can come out, and even if they lose this game and put up a really strong performance in this one, despite all their injuries, I'm going to be impressed with what they've done there. But, uh, yeah, excited for the rematch this week. Home and home series are, are pretty fun. No, all i got to add is uh, I buy playoff tickets one time in Saskatchewan, and I keep getting emails for tickets. So they're not getting the hint that I don't want to go back. Oh, come on. Everybody wants to go to Mosaic. I mean, let's face it. It's the newest stadium in the league, the nicest, the shiniest. No? Okay. I, I know the Bombers sure like to go there. It uh, ends up pretty well every time they do. Moving on, we'll get to the uh, Saturday night game here uh, between the uh, Toronto Oregon. Or this is actually not a Saturday night game. This is a Monday night game against the uh, Toronto Argonauts as the Winnipeg Blue Bombers traveling out to Toronto. Uh, main storyline, I think, of this game, I think would be pretty obvious, is the... Uh, first game of Andrew Harris playing the Toronto are playing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Uh, what can we expect out of Andrew Harris? Is he going to be psyched up for this game? I would imagine it would circle on his calendar a little bit. Uh, guys, what's uh, the story with Andrew Harris? Uh, Trey? I mean, he better be psyched up because he's not done much in the first two games. So this, you know, if there's one game he wants to show up to, I'm sure it is this one, but I don't know if it's, he's going to, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hemming and hawing at this one. It would be the game for him to show up and too bad. He doesn't get to come to IG field this year. Um, Yeah. He better get the ball. He hasn't been given the ball a lot. You know, he get he better get the ball the same way he has in the past. If they want to win this game, I'm not too confident in Toronto anymore. I was kind of high up on them early and I think it's fallen a little bit and you know, they should be two and oh, but you know, we don't really talk shoulds uh, in football. So I don't know. I think it's a game, a very interesting game. Toronto's only had their two. Excuse me. So it's still hard to evaluate them. But yeah, I'm not really impressed with that. Like, I don't think he's been doing anything wrong when he gets the ball. He's still normal Andrew Harris. It doesn't seem like they're giving it to him. Uh, Ryan, what about you? It seemed the first game of the season, we were, uh, you know, early first quarter, we're primed for another thousand yard receipt or a season from Andrew Harris here when they gave him the ball, what, four or five straight plays to open their season. And he looked very good early in that game. Finished the first night, you know, 18 carries, 87 yards. Not bad. Not Andrew Harris. Not quite Andrew Harris numbers that we've seen before, but still, I would say, decently up there. And then the last game, struggled. Seven carries, 27 yards. And, well, they didn't really get much going offensively at all against BC. He's one of those guys that very much enjoys his revenge games, so to say. We saw, you know, the two-game suspension, came back after the suspension, a little pissed off uh, there. Uh, same thing with when he came back from injury the past couple of seasons. We saw him in those great cup games and in those playoff games for Andrew Harris. He 
is a guy who could rile himself up for the big games. And this definitely had, you know, I think there were reports this week that, uh, yeah, things uh, are still a little sour for him with how they ended here in Winnipeg. So, you know, he's going to be riled up for this one. And after Toronto only had the ball for less than 20 minutes of the game against BC last week, you know, they're going to involve Andrew Harris pretty early on in this to, uh, to get things moving for that offense. You know, I always hate uh, the business side of football a little bit. I mean, Andrew Harris was just one of those guys that you'd always expect to see in Winnipeg. I mean, he's from Winnipeg, of all things. Uh, it was just like the time when uh, Coach Jones decided that uh, Weston Dressler needed to move on from the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and ended up in Winnipeg and, yeah, balled out for another couple of years. So I, it was uh, kind of the same situation here. Uh, let's see what he does against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this time in Toronto. Uh, in Winnipeg, I think the uh, line still is uh, Zach Caleros, I think, is probably going to be starting to be got to be considered the ultimate game manager. Uh, gets a lot of yards, gets them good, but when he gets uh, – he, he makes things happen and keeps his defense roughly off the field for quite a bit of it. Uh, guys, what do you think of Zach Caleros' play for the first uh, three weeks of this season so far? Uh, right. I mean, he does what he needs to, to to get the win. It's not always pretty, but uh, it's worked out well for him. You know, on the season, three games, 718 yards. Not, not Jeremiah Mazzoli had that in two against the Bombers. Uh, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, I would say the one thing we haven't seen that we saw the seasons past was probably the touchdowns on the board quite as much. Yeah, he's got one a game. But that was the big thing for him in the past couple of seasons, whereas we're saying seeing two to three touchdowns a game from Coeros. So I think maybe things have regressed for the Bombers offense a little bit from where they were at last year. Part of it, I think, is the offensive line just not quite getting up, uh, you know, to the same level of play we've seen. They've had a, a couple injuries there. They just lost their center as well, Michael Couture, uh, also. Uh, and the run game not getting going there as well. So... None of this to say Zach Kolaros has necessarily played bad. He's played good. He's gotten done what he's needed to do to get the job done, despite, I think, other areas taking a step back on offense. Uh, what do you think, Trey? No, I agree. He did what he has to do to win in his record over the last year or two years, whatever. The 20 and two, I think you said he was, reflects that, you know, you don't need to throw 500 yards and six touchdowns. You got to, sometimes if you try to do that, that's when you start making stupid errors and throwing picks and fumbling the ball, right? He's doing what he needs to do. He still has a pretty decent line in front of them. They're getting up there in age, some of them. But, you know, Yoshi and Brian, they're, they're going to be those guys that you need in front of you. And he's got a decent receiving core. You don't have to throw 50-yard bombs every time. You can just Matt Nickel, Nichols and Diamond all down the field, Matty Ice. That's all you got to do, and you get wins. That's what I do on Madden, boys. That's what I do in Madden, and that's what you got to do today if you're Caleros. You know, I look at Zach Caleros. What I'm most impressed about this year is, let's face it, he doesn't have Kenny Lawler anymore. Uh, he doesn't have a few of his other pieces with him, like Andrew Harris, who we just uh, mentioned. And that means the guy's got to do a little bit more, maybe to try to get uh, some gel with some other guys. Uh, Nick Dembski did not have actually a pretty good two weeks, but uh, third week started to pick it up a little bit here. I uh, think he'll be all right as well. And uh, yeah, starting to build some chemistry also with Greg Ellison. And also uh, hopefully he makes a few more throws to Dalton Schoen this week. Uh Guys, is there anything else that I need to know about for this game on a Monday night? Uh, I guess who the heck picked a Monday night to play a football game when the uh, long weekend is on the Friday? But uh, other than that, anything else? 
trying to get the American crowd, I guess, you know, there's not there July 4th, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. No, I don't know. It's, it's a weird scheduling and I'm not, I'm getting really tired, tired of the CFL scheduling and I hope the 10th team fixes it, but it probably won't, but you know, yeah, that's a whole other episode. We could have an episode at the end of the year about how crappy the scheduling is. Yeah, it's so bizarre. Like I looked at it and I had just had no idea, no explanation. I, I think you guys were maybe talking when we were chatting the other day about maybe it's scheduling for the field there in Toronto, but couldn't you, you know, work the schedule in a way that if this isn't going to work to put it on a, on one of the three other days of the long weekend to, you know, maybe not have the game happen in Toronto this week. But I know, I know they have many scheduling difficulties. The Argos always have a weird one there. Uh, so we get some Monday night football, which will be a little interesting and makes fantasy a little bit weird this week because, you know, we're at the point there's a game Thursday night, got to start setting the rosters, uh, you know, pretty soon here. And we don't have any injury reports from this game yet because I don't know if the teams have fully started the practice weeks. So, uh, that will be a little bit interesting. You know, how is Nick Dempsey? Is he going to be ready to go by Monday? Well, we'll uh, have to wait and see and plan accordingly around that. You know, the other thing also that's really crazy about this is now a team like the Winnipeg Blue Bombers only got five days to turn it all around, go out to play BC on a Saturday night. And by the way, BC's a pretty good football team this year. Uh, just not a fair schedule for no matter how you do this. Uh, it, like Gene just said a few seconds ago, why don't we have games until September on uh, Sunday nights or Sunday afternoons? I mean, let's face it, everybody's off at that time. The guys from America, if you're going to go with your uh, thing there, Trey, is still, they're probably off on a Sunday, I would presume. So it just doesn't make any sense to me. And, and let's face it, the casual fan from the NFL that might tune in the CFL is probably looking for Sunday stuff. Uh, until September, and then he goes over to the NFL. But if you give him some in September or in June, July, August, in this time right now on a Sunday, maybe he might just tune in and say, hey, maybe I'll tune in on Saturday or Friday now to watch the CFL. Anyways, uh, anything else, guys, that we're missing for this game here? I think we're otherwise ready to yeah. move on to week. Go, whoop, right. Yeah, uh, McLeod Bethel Thompson got pulled late last game for Chad Kelly for the Argos. Uh, I mean, they were they lost forty four to three. So maybe it's just you know, how much of it do you guys think was take him out to keep him safe, no injuries, get ready for Winnipeg next week? How much was it maybe looking for a spark uh, and kind of leading into the preview this week? Um, you know. What is the leash on McLeod Bethel Thompson? We know the Argos are high on Chad Kelly. He came in, won the backup job. They let Antonio Pipkin go. Um, let's say McLeod struggles here early against the Bombers. Are we seeing Chad Kelly come in, or are they riding this out? Uh, Trey, what do you think? You know, that's a tough one. I think, uh, you know what? I think that, again, the division's so tight, and this win would be huge for the Argos. You know, we're talking about... Hamilton maybe having a must win and Ottawa being 0-2. So this kind of turns into a must win for Toronto. So you, I don't know. It's a tough one. I kind of want to see, I don't completely blame him. I think they need to give the ball to Harris more and that's not his fault, but you know, the coach making the decision, uh, I believe it's blue eyed Dinwiddie there, right? He's going to, yeah, I don't know. It's a, that's a good question. And that's something I want to watch on Monday. Now I never really took too much thought of it because I never really heard of this guy until you guys start mentioning him. So, you know, Hopefully, maybe he is the next uh, starter in Toronto, uh, Adam. 
Yeah, Brian Young here is, is telling us that uh, needs a quarterback change in Toronto. It's time. Uh, to me, it's not time yet. Uh, McCall Bethel Thompson is still your probably your number one guy. He got pulled in BC because let's face it, it's forty four to three game, and you want your starting quarterback to get hurt. Uh, that being said, we need to see something happen this week though with McCall Bethel Thompson. He's got the targets. He's got uh, Brandon Banks in the backfield now, or in the field now for him. He's got a few other good pieces in that uh, receiving core, like Kittens Jr. is in there. Uh, and you got Andrew Harris who can catch out of the backfield. So we got to see more out of McLeod Bethel Thompson. He can't be throwing Aaron picks for no reason. And he definitely uh, needs to be working better to get to his receivers. Stand in the pocket if you have to, but you got to stand in there and take it or make the pass when you got to make the pass. Either get it out quicker or do something. Uh, if he has a bad game this week, all bets are off. We'll start talking about Chad Kelly next week. But this week, uh, it's still McLeod Bethel Thompson, in my opinion. I think with that, though, I think, Ryan, uh, it's time to move on to fantasy. Yeah, let's move on to talking a little CFL fantasy here. Now, it's a little interesting right now because if you try to go to the CFL fantasy website, the official one by the league, last I checked, you cannot set your lineup because the website is currently not working. Uh, it tells you you get an error and cannot do anything. So uh, I'm hoping they get that fixed before the games uh, and well in time uh, for tomorrow uh, night, Thursday night's uh, start to the week. But I did manage to, to find a way to jot down the prices so we can still go through them. We can still go through the fantasy options and talk about what we like for this week uh, and what's uh, by the way my charts that i've had in weeks past they're still under maintenance they're on the one game injured list again this week uh they should be healthy and ready to go hopefully for next week's preview but let's talk quarterbacks here cfl fantasy this week he's jumped right up to the top of the price list nathan rourke is over twelve thousand dollars most expensive quarterback in cfl fantasy this week Cody Fajardo comes in at 10790 Mazzoli right behind him, about $10 cheaper. Trevor Harris right in at around 9700 Seems like he might get the start here for Montreal. Coleros at 8800 McLeod Bethel-Thompson at around 8200 Dane Evans, eighty-one twenty. Nick Arbuckle, the cheapest starter at $7,245. Uh, in terms of options I like at quarterback this week, I love Nathan Rourke. He's helped me out the two weeks he's been, I've had him in my lineup. I'm so tempted, but at that price, I think it's too much. I think $12,000, you need 30 points to, for him to hit your value play there for the week. And I don't think on a short week against Ottawa off the bye, he's going to do that. I'm expecting something, maybe 275 yards, two touchdowns, maybe a couple of rushing yards, you know, somewhere in the 15 to 25 point range for, Nathan Rourke, which is not going to hit the value. So probably staying away from that. Other options here, you know, do you go for Cody Fajardo and expect the bounce back against Montreal? But that's a tough sell maybe at that price as well. It's one of those weeks again where I kind of like the cheaper plays and I kind of like Dane Evans going against that Elks defense. They We just talked about Edmonton has not, you know, had an interception yet this season. They barely sacked the opposing quarterback. Evans has a bunch of his offensive linemen back this week. He's got Bell and Jackson back. And maybe like week two, we see a bounce back performance by Evans. So right now, he's probably my leader in the clubhouse, so to say, for, for fantasy quarterback option this week. Uh, but what are you guys looking at here, uh, Adam? 
Well, first I was looking at uh, more in my running back position just because uh, I was looking if there was a certain injury that was happening. And if it was, I was going to go uh, all in and go on uh, Nathan Rourke. Uh, that being said, that injury didn't develop. And we'll talk about that after this uh, segment. But uh, right now, I think I'm going to start to cheap up a little bit of my quarterback. But uh, Sakalaros looks interesting to me, to be honest with you. $8,800 uh, playing a Toronto defense that just absolutely got scorched the other night uh the bombers are starting to build some momentum here and uh i'm probably going to end up having to switch my roster quite a bit because uh because of uh, that injury uh that isn't occurring uh trey what about you for quarterbacks well you guys took two out of my three i think there's three quarterbacks i want to ball out this weekend and calaris is one dane evans is one and cody fajardo is one uh, could you repeat the price on fajardo yeah, Fajardo, uh, $10,790. Maybe not with that price, but, you know, I would probably go with Caleros or Dane Evans. But if I had the room on my team, I'd probably throw Fajardo in there as well. Again, if there was no price cap, oh, it'd be Nathan Rourke every day, right? But because of that salary cap, uh, yeah, that takes up way too much. I think Caleros, I want, I really, he he was starting to get some things going late last week and starting to hit um, Dembski before he got injured and starting to hit Ellingson. You think they're going to break one. He's going to break a couple deep ones soon and start getting touchdowns. So I think I'm going to lean to Claros. Yeah. And, you know, we have a comment in the chat here from Jim that says uh, Rourke's rushing upside still makes him a good play this week. That is the big thing for court. It's weird. Quarterbacks, the, the biggest key is the rushing yards. Running backs, the biggest key is receiving yards. It's a little weird uh, in the way it works in fantasy. That is a big upside if you can have a mobile quarterback uh, out there. And it's one of the reasons I shy a little bit away from guys like Caleros or Trevor Harris because they're not – and Bo Levi Mitchell when he's playing. They're not the most mobile quarterbacks. But, you know, at, at the cheaper price range, I do like Caleros as a potential option against that Argos defense this week as well. So might be the week to uh, spend a little less on quarterback. But, hey, if you want to take on a risk on Nathan Rourke, he's smashed the totals the past couple of games. Uh, so if the rest of your roster, if you've got great value plays and you want to take a chance, I don't think it's the worst guy to take a chance on as a high priced uh, player here from Nathan Rourke. Let's take a look at the running back options for this week. Uh, Andrew Harris, the most expensive one at $10,276. James Butler went down last week, but seems like he'll be ready to go. He comes in at 9381 uh, William Powell getting his first start of the year, it seems, for Ottawa. He comes in at 83.80. Jamal Morrow just over 7,000. Don Jackson back in the lineup just over 7,000. Uh, Sean Thomas Erlington probably the backup this week, 6,500. Stay away from that if he's he barely gets the touches when he's the starter, never mind the backup. Uh, James Wilder in at 63.14. Brady Oliveira, 53.66. And uh, Jeshron Antwi, the cheapest starting running back, I believe, at 51-13. Other, pot, you know, cheaper options. Walter Fletcher in at 4,600. Might spell in for Montreal a little bit. Johnny Augustine around 4,000. Javon Leak, $3,500 is the return man for the Argos. Puts up a couple points in that category for you. It's kind of what you're looking at as your running back options. Uh Part of me was a little hopeful James Butler might be out still due to injury, so I could put $2,500 David Mackey in my lineup. Uh, same thing with William Powell, so that I could put Devontae Williams. But 
Nope, the, you can't really cheap out at running back this week. I'm struggling with the running back options. I really don't love very many of them this year. They're either too high priced or there's too much of a dual back system. Like Hamilton, you've got both backs in there. Winnipeg, you've got now Montreal. Maybe you do too with Walter Fletcher in there as well. Uh, it's a little tough on those. I'm not sure I'm taking William Powell in his first game back necessarily because I want to see what involvement he gets in that offense. Honestly, I'm kind of going on the cheaper end and just hoping for the best probably at running back this week. You know, Jeshra Nantwi maybe uh, did play it, you know, didn't put up a huge total against Saskatchewan last week. But again, lots of pieces out for the Alouettes. They could lean on him a little bit there. Brady Oliveira did put up a touchdown last week for Winnipeg. They're still looking to get the run game going a little bit more. I kind of like those options maybe at running back or I'm going with return guys, you know, Javon Leak at $3,500 in the return game for Toronto. I don't hate that if I'm just trying to punt away the position basically. Uh, and same thing with Jamal Morrow when he's up at 7,000. Uh, he does return kicks that pads your stats a little. His run game should be better this week against Montreal. That's kind of one of the main options I'd lean to towards there. Probably staying away from the real upper echelon of running backs this week. Uh, what do you think, Trey? Oh, I was probably going to go with Jamal Morrow for sure. I think he's my number one guy on uh, on one league. And that second one, probably go to a cheap guy. Like you said, Antwi, maybe Wilder. I think that's Wilder was a little bit more expensive. But again, I like the cheaper guys for that second spot. Uh you know, I hate it because I don't have it up in front of me because usually I set my lineup while we talk about it. So now I can't do that. So I'm going to have to write all this down and remember it or uh, rewatch the episode. So I think I'm going to go with Moral. That's my number one guy. And then from there, just dig up one of those uh, the lower price guys that you'd mentioned. Adam? Yeah, me and Ryan were thinking alike this week. I was uh, going to go and put in uh, David Mackey just because, let's face it, he's pulled off a pile of points there last week. Uh, after uh, James Butler went out, and uh, I was like, $2,500, I'm in. Uh, he's not probably going to play now because James Wilder is going to be playing, or James uh, Butler will be playing uh, for the BC Lions. So now I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I'm tempted to put Don Jackson in because Edmonton does not have a good run game uh, on average. However, Hamilton also doesn't run the ball on average. So... <laughs> I am really confused at what I'm doing. Jamal Morrow will probably definitely be on my list of one guy that I probably will take uh, just because of the return game plus the run game. Uh, that'll help a little bit. And then after that, I don't know. Like I say, I was I was looking over at uh, uh, Montreal side of the ball, but taking Saskatchewan and Montreal to run the ball, it's probably not going to happen. I'm Right now, let's go with Jamal Morrow and uh, Don Jackson. And then we'll see what goes on throughout the week here because I still am uh, kind of reeling from that David Mackey not playing this week. You could still put him in your lineup and hope he gets a catch here or there or that uh, James Butler gets injured. It's 2,500. At the worst, you're giving up 6.2 points towards your 100-point total that you could make up elsewhere. And if you're playing in a league, uh, yeah, I know the league we're playing in, uh, you know, you have to fill your roster spots. If you're, if you're playing for fun or playing in any other league where you don't, maybe you ought to leave the second running back spot empty and spend the money elsewhere this week. There may be better value plays. Uh, Gene in the Facebook chat mentioning Wilder might be good this week with his decent price. 
probably one of the best prices for James Wilder Jr. I've ever seen in, in the last couple of years in fantasy. So, yeah, could be a tempting play there on him as well against the tie caps. But uh, I feel like they've stopped the run pretty well so far this year. Uh, let's look at wide receivers. Let's start with the upper echelon. Uh, Braylon Addison, still the most expensive at over 10000 Eugene Lewis, uh, Lucky Whitehead, Duke Williams, all around 98 9900 uh, Lawler, uh, $92,41. Dominic Rimes jumps up to eighty nine eighty four after his massive game last week. Uh, is now actually more expensive than Brian Burnham, who's out on the injured list. Uh, Greg Ellingson at 83.61, Tim White 76.63, Jake Winicky around 7,500, Jalen Acklin at 71.66. Those are your receivers over the $7,000 mark if you're looking for a big name one this week. I really like Rhymes as an option uh, if we're not taking price into account. I think there's maybe a better play available if you're looking for a BC receiver this week. And again, I think their offense is going to regress a little bit here uh for uh the uh bc lions but uh i think rhymes will step up big in that offense going forward the price uh, i, I want to see a couple of consecutive weeks at a game like that greg ellingson still has to be one of the favorite top name receivers here available right he's one of the go-to guys for uh zach Caleros. he had touched down the first two games big catches the past three games so i like that option there and uh, I also like Jalen Acklin as kind of the number one go to guy for Hamilton, but I think there are potentially, uh, or sorry, for Ottawa, uh, but I think there are other cheaper plays available there. So, anybody on the uh, top price receiver list uh, you guys are looking to here, uh, Adam? The only guy I'm really looking at a little bit is actually Duke Williams. Uh, the reason being is no shot counts, uh, with him gone. Cody Fajardo needs somebody to throw the ball to. He has some history with Duke Williams. Knows Duke's, Duke can come up with some real circuits catches. So if I'm going, and I probably won't because I'm usually pretty cheap no matter how I do my roster. Uh, I don't know if I'm really going to go with Duke Williams right now. Uh, but uh, out of the top ones, that's the one I'm mostly interested in. Trey, what about you? Yeah, same. I usually don't spend too much on my receiving core. But if I did, I'd like Williams. Or I'll take Ellingson, like Ryan mentioned, kind of the main guy. But no, I usually try to spend five to seven thousand on receiver kind of thing, you know, and then throw one of the twenty five hundred. As long as Dalton Schoen's still down there, he's gonna always be my flex guy. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't go too crazy on this one guy. Receiver is a weird one because I feel like it's hit and miss. You could either get a guy who gets ten catches for two hundred yards and a bunch of touchdowns, or you get a guy who got targeted once and dropped it, and and that's it, right? So, I usually don't spend too much here. Yeah, that uh, you're you're absolutely right. It feels very hit and miss here at receiver a lot of times. Uh, looking kind of middle priced, uh, you got a couple Argos receivers around sixty five hundred. Curly Gittens Jr., Varis Daniels, Brandon Banks, all roughly the same price. Stephen Dunbar for Hamilton, uh, Nick Demp at uh, sorry at uh, sixty four hundred. Uh, Nick Dembski at around sixty four hundred as well. Darrell Walker near that price. Uh, Rashid Bailey at 6,000. Uh, Javon Katoy also at 6,000. Again, a little high for him. Not huge totals here uh, for BC thus far, but maybe with the Brian Burnham injury. Manny Arsenault having a good season for Edmonton. Finds himself at around $6,000. Kevin Adams for the Red Blacks just below that. 
Uh, Deron Carter still on the list, 58-94, despite being a defensive back and despite not playing yet this year. Marquis Thambles for Toronto at 58-01, Keon Schaefer-Baker at 57-73, and Chandler Worthy at 56-90. Who stands out to you at over the $5,000 price range here, Adam? Well, uh, two guys really stand out to me. I mean, Manny Arsenal had a great game last week. Uh, I think he could probably do it again this week. Uh, it depends what he thinks, uh, what the Hamilton defense shows him. Uh, I didn't hear uh, Keon Hatcher was on that list, was he? Uh, he's cheaper yet. We'll get to him. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we will. Anyways, uh, the other one also that I maybe would think about is Keon Schaefer-Baker. Again, I'm not trying to show home bias. The guy's a good receiver, and the Rough Riders are short of really talented receivers right now. I think he might be an option also to take a look at. If Dembski had a pretty good game also uh, against the uh, Ticats last week, he's starting to improve, but is he going to be there? you got to wait a while to find out on that one, probably, if he's actually going to play even against Toronto. So that would maybe be a little more of a question mark for me. Uh, Trey, any of the mid guys you like? Sorry, guys, I had to take off there. I'm just going to go to your defer to your guys' judgment on that one. Uh, didn't really hear you, hear you guys talked about, but again, probably this is my eight, this is my price range here, the five to seven thousand. So if Dembski's in there, like I said, I liked how he started to play before he was injured, and hopefully he's playing. And uh, like I said, the guy, real my number one receiver on my team, isn't coming up yet. I don't think so. We'll talk about him next. Yeah, in the middle price there, uh, Schaefer Baker stands out to me with the injury to Shaq Evans at fifty-seven seventy-three. Um, a lot of these guys, you know, like I mentioned, three, four Toronto guys around the same price. Winnipeg has a lot of receivers around six thousand dollars. When they're all generally at that kind of high to middle range price, that tells you there's a lot of receivers that kind of they spread the ball around to. So it makes me a little nervous to go any of their directions. I like Stephen Dunbar. He's been a go-to receiver for Hamilton, one of their leading receivers so far this season. If they're going to have a bounce-back game against the Elks, I like that play. It's probably my top Ticats pick for receiver this week. And uh, I, I like Darvin Adams because I think he's been involved good in that Ottawa offense this far. And if Mazzoli's going to throw 300 yards again, chances are he's picking up some there. Uh, looking at the rest of the field at wide receiver, uh, Shaq Johnson at 46.27, Nate Bahar 4300-ish dollars, Reggie White Jr. from Montreal $4000, Keon Hatcher, there he is Adam 39.26 uh, is the price on him. Uh skipping through a couple other options cuz there are so many here. Mitchell Pickton maybe a bit more of a role in Saskatchewan's offense at 36.63. Uh, and then scrolling down uh, to some of the cheaper plays here. Dalton Schoen, still $2,500, Trey. Uh, Chances are uh, he'll end up in a good number of uh, rosters this week. And Justin Hardy, also $2,500 for the Ottawa Red Blacks. Kind of, you know, name doesn't get enough credit. I believe he's the most targeted receiver in that Red Blacks offense so far this season. So you're looking for a cheap play there. May be available to you as well. Uh, Edmonton Elks backup quarterback Kyle Oxley is available at wide receiver for $2,500 because Chris Jones. Um, Cam Phillips, another starter for Toronto, $2,500. So, yeah, there are there are some cheaper plays available here at receiver. Jim uh, in the Facebook chat says, Hatcher is a smash again, moving into Burnham's spot. 
I agree. My one concern is Hatcher moving into a different position on the field, right? How's that going to affect his production? But the price is probably still low enough that I'm going to take the chance on it anyways, given how successful BC's offense has been. Uh, I also like Mitchell Pickton taking on more of a role for Saskatchewan. And like I said, Dalton Schoen and Justin Hardy are my real cheap uh, intriguing plays there. Uh, Trey, I know Dalton Schoen's uh, your guy here. Uh, anybody else in this price range that you like? Oh, my receiving core is going to be Schoen, Hatcher, and Pickton. I can tell you that right now. And then all those savings are going to go to my running back or defense or quarterback or something, right? So that's probably my receiving core. Could you like you'd spend cheap on those three guys? They're probably going to pick up some decent catches, you would hope, especially with those injuries on the that Saskatchewan and BC has. And Schoen's been a pretty good guy up in Sebel last week. He's been one of the main targets. So I think those are three really safe bets you can have right there, uh, Adam. Yeah, no, I think I'm going to definitely go with Keon Hatcher. I mean, the guy's moving into a position in which the quarterback loves to throw to. So if that's the case, I mean, you got to take the guy that's into now a starting role in a prime position to make a good catch. Uh, so Keon Hatcher is definitely on my list. Uh, if you take a look at Mitch Picton, I think he probably will be a guy that I'll probably think about for sure. Uh, another guy, though, that I'm looking at on Saskatchewan's team is Jacob Prohl. I think he's going to play a big piece of the uh, offense as well, just because we're short another uh, for or another offensive guy. If uh, Nathan or if Mitchell Pickton moves into the spot where Shaq Evans was, you got to move somebody where Mitchell Pickton was sitting. So I'm looking at Jacob Prohl, and um, the other guy also that I'm looking at is uh, I believe is uh, Tevin Jones. I believe is another guy for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Again, $2,500, it sounds like in practice he might be even the guy just to take Shaq Evans' spot and not really fill any spot because he's an American. So it be very interesting to see what the Rough Riders do. Uh, I'm just giving you a little bit of insight on the rider side of things, of course, because, you know, I know that team a little bit better than all. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Saskatchewan, though, when the roster uh, depth chart comes out. And I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of guys scrambling to make some changes. Yeah, and of course, uh, make sure you check those depth charts because uh, they are key. Don't put a guy in there that's not going to play. Also, fair warning, with the Winnipeg-Toronto game only being Monday, the depth chart for that one's going to come out on Sunday after all the other games have played. So if you're planning your roster flexibility, maybe don't put a guy like Nick Dembski in there that's not going to play. Sure, you can probably swap him for Rashid Bailey, but don't go and lock up a big amount of money or uh, or even or you know money in a spot that you won't know until the rest of your roster is locked in and all of a sudden you don't have a great option to fill it. So keep that in mind for your roster flexibility here in fantasy this week as well. Uh, let's talk defenses. The Lions shot up to the most expensive defense uh, in CFL fantasy this week. They come in at forty eight sixty six. Uh, is the price. Uh, they've played pretty darn well so far. The Bombers at 4101. Montreal is in third now at 3626. The Riders taking a step back to 3408. And then uh, Toronto, Ottawa, Hamilton, and Edmonton at $3,200. Uh, wow, BC jumping quite up there in price to the top of the list. I feel like this is the first time in maybe two years we haven't seen Winnipeg and Saskatchewan be most expensive. But when it comes to uh, to fantasy uh, defenses here, um, you know, uh, I don't know which way to go on the defense again this week. Do you take Montreal and hope they, you know, replicate what they did against Saskatchewan last week? 
I kind of lean, maybe do I go back to the Riders who put up 13 sacks in the first two weeks and I expect a good bounce back game from here against Montreal. I'm still not sold on uh, Trevor Harris's uh, maneuverability here a little bit. So I'm maybe debating between one of those two defenses. And, and if I have the cash, you know, probably, you know, maybe looking at a BC or a Winnipeg. If I really need to spend $3,200, Ticats do have some playmakers on their defense. I know Simone Lawrence got called out a little bit for not being a big play guy by, uh, I believe it was Jeff Reinbold to uh, call them out on that uh, or not having any big plays this year. He's a big play guy. He could step up anytime against that Elks offense. So I don't know. Defense, I think, will probably be the last thing I put in this week. Uh, and it'll probably be based on what I see out there on the depth charts. Uh, Adam, what do you think on defense here? Well, I'm debating between two teams, too. I'm debating between Saskatchewan because, let's face it, I can't see them playing two weeks in a row the way they played last week. Uh, plus, Charleston Hughes is back. So that's instantly the pick for everybody is because Charleston's back. Uh no, no, I'm joking. But nevertheless, uh, I think that Saskatchewan might be a pick. The other one might be BC. I'm just worried about them traveling. And uh, again, short week on a defense is never a great thing. Uh, the other one, yeah, like you said, is Hamilton. I'm looking at them a little bit just because they're playing ha uh, Edmonton. Uh, Nick Arbuckle's known for throwing up that uh, juicy, juicy interception once in a while. And if he does that, Hamilton also can have a tendency of picking off quite a few footballs. Uh, add that with a, like you said before, a PO'd uh, Simone Lawrence. I think that could be a recipe for disaster for Edmonton. So uh, eh, let's go with Hamilton right now. Trey, what about you? Oh, no, I'm staying away from Saskatchewan because the one time I went all in on their defense, they uh, disappointed me, right? So they're, they're completely cut from my team for the rest of the year. Uh, Though I, this could be the week they should bounce back. Uh, they should bounce back, but I think I'm going to stay away from them just because I'm petty. Uh, probably going to go and spend the money on BC here. All that money I'm saving on those receivers, I'll probably go with BC or Winnipeg, one of the top two teams on defense. I'm going to note that also, that you're never picking Saskatchewan ever again. Yeah, you will you not know. be allowed to. You will, you will try and Adam will just cut right no, in no, every that, time. That, that's a part of my, uh, as league uh, commissioner of anything, you are not allowed to pick uh, Saskatchewan anymore. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, we had a great comment here uh, in, in the chat as well. Throw them into your flex. I believe this was when I was talking about, you know, the flexibility with the Bombers roster. That's a great point in general for CFL Fantasy. Uh, when I'm looking at the guys I want in my roster, the receiver that plays the latest in the week is always the one I put in the flex because – that lets me change it last minute for a running back to fit in that position potentially as well. It gives you a little more flexibility if you need there. So uh, make sure you check those depth charts as well. That's a big key for fantasy. And best of luck to you all in CFL fantasy this week. Uh, in our uh, Canadian football uh, podcast uh, fantasy league, uh this week uh we do have matchups again i'm i'm facing zach schnitzer from bonfire sports a little winnipeg on winnipeg matchup there uh looking to improve to four and oh myself on the season adam you've got uh ryan from horseman radio in the unique position this year of uh facing him when the stampeders are on a bye week so uh it remains to be seen what he's going to pull with his roster this time around. So does, uh, that, so does that mean I instantly get a buy or? 
I think so. Uh, no, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Looking to improve to three and one, and uh, Trey is uh, Trey. You uh, looking to improve to two and two? You're facing uh, Oz Davis from the Rouge White Blue podcast. So best of luck to all of us this week uh, in our uh, in our uh, season long fantasy league. We had a number of transactions this week. Uh, Adam moved uh, Shaq Evans to the injured list. Uh, also. Dropped Eric Rogers and added Mitchell Pickton. You talked about uh, what you like from him. Swapped out your Edmonton defense for the Ottawa uh, defense, the one that was available. Uh, Mike added Jeshron Antwi to his roster. He had an empty spot because uh, William Stanback is on his injured list. Moved Brian Burnham to the injured list. And we had a little bidding war for Dominic Rhymes at receiver between Adam and Mike. Mike bid $1 extra in our little uh, fake waiver wire money money here so uh dominic rhymes going over to team mike uh let's move on to the uh picks and the bets to end off the show here take it away trey all right i have to say these were some really interesting lines so we're gonna start the thursday nighter bc in ottawa bc is only favored by two that's crazy talk. BC's going to win by two. That's who I'm taking. Uh, let's start with Adam. What do you think of the Thursday nighter? Uh, you know what? The, re- the reason I'm even hesitating to not take BC in this is because of what happened last week against the Rough Riders and the Alouettes. I mean, let's face it. Traveling across the country is never fun and on a short week and everything else. But you know what? It's BC Lions, and they've been just so hot lately. Yeah, I got to go with the BC Lions on this one to cover. Oh, I'm going to be different on this one. I'm going with the Ottawa Red Blacks, and uh, I looked at the CFL Pick'em. I think only 20% or so of, pe- of people have picked the Red Blacks to win, and I'm taking Ottawa to win this one. That short week against the team off the bye, heading out to the east. Uh, yeah, I you know teed it up at the top of the show here. I'm nervous for BC in this one, and you know the margins here, I think Ottawa can win, uh, you know, by, by enough here that, uh, yeah, I'm taking the Red Blacks to win a close game here, but coming out far enough ahead to take the win for me here for Ottawa to get their first win of the year. You know, so the trade, that means that he's the Admiral Akbar of the uh, team? Well, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. You know, Ottawa can just lose by one and you still win, right? So that's kind of... It's a good pick. I, I see the point. It's just that that line floored me at first. And then I didn't know injuries. And then, yeah, they're probably doing the short week. So interesting line. But let's move over to, I believe, Friday Night Football, the undefeateds. In horse racing, we call them maidens if you can't win. Uh, so I said undefeateds. I meant winless. Uh, but then maidens are horses that have never won once in their life. So these horses have not won anything this year. Six and a half favorite Hamilton in the Timbit box there in old world Iverwin was, I'm going to take Hamilton. I'm going to say they're going to win by a touchdown. And uh, like I said, I'm hoping Dane Evans isn't that spooked horse back there and he's going to make some big throws. And I just don't have faith in Edmonton. Yeah, they're getting a little better, but they're still losing by a touchdown to 10 points a game. So I'm going Hamilton. So let's kick off with Ryan. Yeah, originally, uh, like making the straight up picks, I was actually going to go Edmonton's direction this week because I think they have been getting better. But then I see Ed- Hamilton's getting those offensive linemen back. They're getting Don Jackson back. So, uh, you know, straight up pick, I, I, I lean towards the Ticats here. The, the point line is messing with me a little bit because I think this could be a close enough game. But 
Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you here. I'm going to go with the Thai Cats by. I think they're just going to pass the line here, win by seven on this one. I think Don Jackson will be a big part of that. And uh, Dane Evans, on again, off again, bounce back week here for him as uh, the Thai Cats improve at home to pick up their first win of the year. Adam? You know, if this game was in Edmonton, I probably would take the Elks right now. But uh, this game is in the donut hole in Hamilton. Uh, it's a game that they want to prove in front of their home fans that they're a team that is still in this and can be in this. Uh, Hamilton, my opinion right now, is going to win this game by a lot. Uh, just because I think that this is going to be one of those that Hamilton wants to put their foot on the throat of their opponent and win this. So to me, it's going to be Hamilton and by even more than six and a half. Uh, and then, so congratulations, Edmonton. You're going to get your first win of the week. Of the yeah. Year. Yeah. I was going to say, do not go and say a team's going to win by a lot on this podcast. It doesn't work out that way. Look at Saskatchewan last week when I said they would win by 17. So, um, well, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, what's the next one on the board here, Trey? Saturday night, Montreal Alouettes go into, uh, uh, yeah, that's Saskatchewan. Sorry, I'm stuttering there. Um, four and a half, Saskatchewan's favorite at home. I'm going to take Saskatchewan. I don't think they're going to lose back-to-back, and I think they're going to run the ball down Montreal's throat. And Fajardo, uh, I think his oblique's a lot better than it was last year, so I think he's going to throw for good, uh, good amount of yardage. Four and a half, I think they could easily win by a touchdown here. Because I'm, yeah, so we're going to go to Adam here. Well, you're going to pick the Riders, right? Well, I actually think that uh, the Riders are probably going to win this game, I think. However, I think it's going to be at last, it's going to be a pretty good game here overall. It's going to be one of those games that goes back and forth and back and forth. Uh, It's going to be a repeat of July 2010, in my opinion, I hope, because man, that was a fun game to watch in Saskatchewan. And it's going to end up with Brett Lowther jumping into pill country and uh, in a three-point game. So I'm going to say Montreal covers, but Saskatchewan is going to win this game. Right? I'm taking Saskatchewan here as well. Uh, Like Trey said, you know, home and home series, bounce back game. I think that uh, I'm expecting a lot better effort from Saskatchewan. Montreal impressed me despite the injuries last time around. Uh, that, you know, they came out and put a monstrous performance out there. I just don't think they can replicate it two weeks in a row. Uh, and I think Saskatchewan overall is still the better team. So I will take the Riders here with this pick. Awesome, guys. Now we're going to go to Monday Night Football on NBC. No, on TSN, sorry. Um, is Winnipeg going into Toronto? The game, I guess, uh, TFC gets the Saturday game. So that's okay. Five-point favorite road on the road team, Winnipeg. I'm going to take the bombers and this was my toughest one because i do hesitate on the andrew harris revenge game and is he gonna take over i think he's gonna have a lot of yards i just don't think uh the argos have the same talent around him that he had in winnipeg so you know to kind of compliment it so i'm gonna go with the bombers yeah that's my pick i'm gonna stick there i I, remember we can change half an hour before kickoff that's the new rule that got implemented on our fantasy uh I have to extend my office hours. Um, you know, the secretary might have to work some overtime, but that's okay. So Winnipeg minus five. Uh, let's go, Ryan. 
Yeah, when, when Winnipeg plays Toronto, I feel like it's a weird game sometimes. Uh, we had one a couple of years ago where the Bombers were way ahead. Toronto came back all of a sudden to win. We had last year, their only meaningful loss of the season was a, a real dud in week three against Toronto. So it makes me a little bit skeptical, maybe, but I think the Bombers are the better team. I think their defense found, you know, the next step again that we expected them to last week against Hamilton. I think they'll probably find that again this week. And, uh, you know, as much as Andrew Harris is going to be up for this game, I think maybe the Bombers' defense will be uh, a little excited to smack Andrew Harris around a little bit uh, in the rivalry and, you know, not have them go and have a monstrous performance against them. So I think it will be a good game. I think these are two good teams. We don't know a whole lot on Toronto right now, but uh, I will take uh, Winnipeg here with my pick. Uh, Adam? You know, if if Toronto didn't burn me by 30-some points last week, maybe I would have thought about the Argonauts. But you know what? With uh, Andrew Harris coming back, I think that he's going to have a good game. However, I think uh, Winnipeg's going to have a better game. Uh, I think that Willie Jefferson, well, I can't wait to get his hands on Andrew Harris a little bit uh, to remind him that, hey, we're still the Great Cup champions and now you're not here. So to me, I think that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are probably going to win this by over five. Uh, which means I've picked the Bombers and not the Rough Riders, and I've forever ashamed of myself, and I can't believe that there's not pitchforks coming at me yet from Saskatchewan. Well, if there weren't before when you took the hat off, uh, there there are now, so. But, but hey, I'm at least trying to wear, like, the Piffles Pod shirt to at least make sure that they're, uh, that they're getting represented, so, you know, Sasky guy. Yeah, for sure. Shout out to the Piffles Podcast and all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Uh, anything else we got here? Should we get into wrapping this up uh, for our Week 4 preview guide? No, I'll just mention real quick that uh, for people betting, uh, Adam and I are 7-5. and five. We're tied for first right now. Ryan's not too far behind at 500, 6-6. Six and six. So if you do make money if you're listening to us, uh, Remember, picking the spread's not easy. I see a lot of people uh, tweeting on Twitter, oh, I picked, you know, all, all 12 winners. Well, pick the spread. You know, try that a little bit. So, yeah, just remember, if you are betting, don't bet the farm or the house or a college fund. Uh, so, yeah, play responsibly. And also, uh, you can bet the Slurpee Cups, though. If you do want to bet a sl- anything, bet the Slurpee Cups. Yeah, if anybody finds any of those, uh, so if you've been living under a rock or don't have social media, uh, 7-Eleven has introduced new CFL Slurpee Cups, and apparently they're very difficult to find, and Twitter is in a storm, maybe even more so than the time we all argued over uh, butter tarts and whether or not they should have raisins. Uh, Always something with CFL Twitter. Uh, It's a lot of fun. Uh, I want to see those Slurpee Cups. They look cool. Uh, so, uh, if you, if you find one at your local 7-Eleven, uh, send us a picture of it. Uh, we want to see them all. Uh, let's get into wrapping things up here for today. Then I will pull this up on the screen. There we go. Uh, looking at what's here to come on the podcast, uh, next Monday, we'll have our week four recap. Uh, note the time difference, though, on this one compared to normal because the Bombers and Argos do play at week 630 Winnipeg time is the kickoff on that one. We expect the game to end around 9.30, and we'll have our Week 4 recap kicking off late that night, 10 p.m. Winnipeg time, 9 p.m. Saskatchewan, other time zones accordingly. Uh, We'll recap all four games from this week, give our players the week and our power rankings as well. 
might be a little difficult to get everything together for that last minute if the game's still going right before it, but uh, we'll make it work. Uh, and then uh, next Wednesday, if you enjoyed our preview here today, we'll do the same thing next week. Hopefully the CFL Fantasy site will be working so we can uh, go off of that. Hopefully I'll have my charts ready to go. Uh, but we'll talk major storylines. We'll talk uh, CFL Fantasy. We'll make our picks, make our, our bets against the spread here next week as well on the podcast. Uh, you can catch that live. Join us live over on YouTube, the Canadian Football Countdown there, facebook.com slash cfcountdownpod, twitter at cfcountdownpod, uh, twitch.tv slash cfcountdownpod, and on our presenting sponsors' YouTube page, Game Time TV. Uh, shout out to our presenting sponsor. Uh, join us live. We've had a lot of great interaction in the chat here tonight. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, really loving doing all of these shows each and every week with all of you and everybody who hangs out with us here. Uh, as we get ready to wrap things up, uh, anything you guys got, got to plug and anything, uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Trey, let's start with you. Yeah, you can find me at Twitter at Trey MB Harness. Uh, yeah, if you think I'm annoying now on horse racing stuff, my season starts this weekend, so I'm going to get even more annoying on horse racing stuff. So if you want to learn anything about harness racing in Manitoba, harness racing, follow me there. Uh, people in Winnipeg, come to the Red River X uh, starting July 23rd. That's racing every uh, Saturday, 2 p.m. there. I'll have the call, and I'll have all your picks. Uh, if you want to make uh, more money than uh, we make you here on the podcast, you know, come check me out and it should be a blast. I was just at the track today. It's got a beautiful pond in the middle. It looks real nice. Oh, it's a great time if you want to spend some Saturdays outdoors. But uh, yeah, at Trey MB Harness. Adam? Hey, do they have that trumpeter that comes once in a while and does like the opening thing at the beginning of the horse race? Uh, we don't officially, but I'll push. I've been pushing for that stuff for years. Excellent. Well, if that does happen now, you can always find it over at Trey's page. Uh, on my page right now, it's at Adam Stewart one uh, You can find the hay that feeds the horse. Uh, probably there'll be lots of haying pictures coming up pretty soon. Uh, you can tell me if butter tarts should have raisins or not in them. Uh, myself, I'm pro-raisin. Uh, and you can find all sorts of great stuff over at Adam Stewart one Of course, we talk a lot of CFL over there, too. Uh, yeah, join me over there, right? Are you auditioning for that trumpet role? Is that why you're asking, Adam? Or No, I used to play tuba, not uh, trumpet, so it wouldn't sound right. Okay. Oh, Trey as well. There we go. Tuba players on one podcast. Let's go. I Yeah, you guys want to record the new intro for the podcast on your tubas? <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42, talking CFL, CFL Fantasy. I had a couple people send me some CFL Fantasy questions this week. Talked a little bit about Nathan Rourke and his price tag. If you have any questions throughout the week, uh, send them to me. They're always happy to chat about the, uh, the the players available, their prices, and whether they're worth the price they're at. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CooperTrooper42. I already mentioned you can find the podcast at CF Countdown Pod there and on facebook.com slash cfcountdownpod as well. Uh, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we always appreciate if you do all the fun things, such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. And on behalf of our panel here tonight, Adam Stewart, Trey Colbeck, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.